Alright. Alright. Hassan and the crew slaying it over here. Great job with the worship. And uh, great to be here with everyone. I uh, hope everyone had a great uh, 4th of July. Uh, I trust that you all did. Um, had some fun time uh, being in the pool with my son, getting squirted, uh, you know, times and times again in the eyes. It's cool the first, like, 98 times, uh, but then, you know, there's only so much a man can take. Uh, but uh, we had a really great time uh, together with family and friends. And, uh, you know, actually, the teen ministry, we met this Friday, and uh, we had a fun nacho night. And, uh, and so I wanted to just kind of sum up uh, this, this, this little video here, sums up pretty much what took place, all right? So, uh, there's my four-year-old, and uh, we ate nachos, of course, and uh, we had the teens uh, dress up in a mask and a cape as nacho, and they would belt out like nacho, just, just nacho, and whoever could do it the longest would be crowned the, the number one luchador. I mean, the champion of the night. And, uh, you know, it took a minute or two for the teens to kind of get into it and, and let their guard down, and it's okay to be laughed at. But once we got things going, the teens went for it. It's funny, their strategies, right? Some of them started low and thought they could just keep it that way. Others thought they could do it to a beat. Um, others wanted to actually sing Nacho. They were like, you know, Nacho. It's like, okay, you know. Um, you know, and things like that, while all blocking off people, laughing at you, looking at you, saying things at you, trying to stay in character. Uh, some did it for about two seconds, while the champion did it for 24 seconds, all right? Uh, and that was actually Christopher uh, Anderson, he did it for 24 seconds. So, uh, fun night, fun night with the teens, nonetheless, in honor of this kind of, uh, kind of an awkward hero, right, named Nacho. And so uh, we're going to be talking about today here uh, being awkwardly heroic. And I uh, appreciate Hassan's words just leading us in communion, uh, expressing and reminding us of Jesus dying on the cross for us, uh, that we are now dead uh, to our, uh, our sins and made alive in Christ. We're dead to our sins. And, uh, and for what? We're raised for what? And I believe to do some heroic things in God's name. Now, as we go into it, I want us to think about here uh, of a time that you had where you were just like, it was an awkward situation. It was an embarrassing situation, right? In one way or another, you were just in this socially awkward and very embarrassing situation. You know, I'm going to give you an opportunity here to be... Uh, awkwardly heroic here and just and just share of a time with the person next to you really quickly uh, of a time when you were just awkward awkward and embarrassed okay so take some time turn to the person left to the right of you just just something
here's some laughter. It's a good thing. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. Let me let me bring it on in here. You know. Um, the Southwest Airlines, you know, Southwest Airlines, they had this campaign, this marketing campaign, where they just uh, so brilliantly uh, just made these little short clips of people in, in awkward and embarrassing situations, and then they taglined it with, want to get away? And so I wanted to show you one of those videos at this time. Mr. Smooth thought he was approaching a lady, comes to find out it's a dog. Very embarrassing, right? Uh, you ever met someone, you, you figured out their name, and then you meet them, uh, you see them again, and then you think it's this name, but it's actually that name. And they're just like, what? You know? Uh, you ever spilled something on you? You ever uh, tripped or stepped over something? You ever walked into a glass door? I mean, that's really hard uh, to play off. You can't play that one off, you know? You can, you can slip and fall and then just like do push-up or something and just act like that's what you meant to do. Uh, but walking into a door or something, right? Uh, that's hard to play off, you know? Uh, who's ever seen me do or say something awkward, you know? Uh, 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 how dare you? Uh, just kidding. Uh, the reality is, I mean, I say that for some of us who maybe we take ourselves a little too serious. You, you had a hard time finding out something embarrassing about you. You had a hard time realizing how awkward you are. I mean, I just got to say that, right? I mean, there's so many things that happen to us, right? I mean, even just recently, uh, definitely with the teens all the time, I sometimes call the teens by the name of their uh, older sibling or, or older brother or sister, and I'm like, ah, I'm not, oh, I'm so sorry. I've known you for how long now? You know, those kinds of things. Uh, recently, I went to Starbucks, not a place I go into quite a lot, but I was with my son, and I wanted to buy him a, a cake pop, and so we went to the store. The lady in front of me uh, ordered a drink that sounded really good. She got this like grande uh, strawberry refresher. And so I was like, oh, that sounds really good. And, and a big one at that. And so I was like, yeah, I want a grande strawberry refresher. And so, you know, when we got out of line and they called my name, I came to the counter and to my surprise, I saw this 16-ounce drink. And, and when I heard grande, I mean, my, my Mexican, my Spanish side of me was thinking grande, huge, big, large. Yeah. And so when this little 16 cup, uh, cup ounce was there, you know, I just walked up. I was like, oh man, they messed up my order. Okay. I was like, hello, excuse me. Yeah, I ordered a grande uh, strawberry. She's like, yeah. I was like, oh, no, no, yeah. And I showed her my receipt, and I was like, yeah, I ordered a grande. Like, I'm not, I'm not just trying to get a different drink. I'm like, I'm serious. I, I bought one. I got a grande. She's like, no, yeah, that is. Oh, you're talking about the larger one. Oh, you're talking about a venti. 
And I was like, a Fenty? No, the, the Grande, the big one! And uh, that's when I realized, you know, it's like, oh, Grande is not big. Okay, all right. And uh, that's just what that's what I get for not ordering too many drinks from Starbucks. Uh, but uh, you know, just awkward situations. We're all at times awkward. And when we do embarrassing things, we do everything that we can to not go back there. Uh, we never want to do anything that will make us feel those feelings again, to bring up those feelings. Uh, and so just that we're on the same page, let's define awkward here. It's uh, causing difficulty, okay? Hard to do, deal with. Causing or feeling embarrassment or inconvenience. Lack of grace or ease of movement, skill, dexterity. Listen to these synonyms. Embarrassing, uncomfortable, unpleasant, problematic, touchy, clumsy, inept, uncoordinated, graceless, and unskillful. All words that we want to stay away from at all costs. No one wants to be referred to using these words, right? And yet, there's also something in us, this feeling that's competing with that, this feeling to be heroic. I mean, we want to do great things. We want to do something good. We want to make a difference. We want to make an impact. But I'm definitely afraid of looking foolish, of doing something embarrassing, of messing up. If I could just go through my day without making, uh, uh, drawing attention to myself or making a fool of myself, then, then that's a win for me. I get the dub for that day. But we, you know, we treat these things as separate things. Like, if you're awkward, you can't be heroic. But you know, the, the definition here of being a hero, a person who in the face of danger combats adversity through impressive feats of ingenuity, bravery or strength, often sacrificing his or her own personal concerns for some greater good. Yes, we are awkward. But yes, we are also in us, we have in us heroism. God has put that in us. It's why when you talk to your friend and they have this big piece of cilantro on their tooth, you just got to say something. You can't just let them keep talking to you while you just stare at that green piece of cilantro. You just can't. You want to step in. You're like, man, I don't want to go there. It's awkward. I don't want to offend my friend. You know, maybe your friend has uh, uh, bad breath. And you're like, I don't want to go there. But because you don't want them to go there more, you're willing to do something about it. You're compelled to be heroic. Even if that person gets a little attitude at you, even if that person uh, is, is going to be a little, uh, you know, get their feelings hurt, you're willing to do that. Why? Because your well-being, their well-being is of greater good in this. And what I'm saying here today is I'm saying if you really want to make a difference, we are going to, we're going to look foolish at times. We're going to look awkward at times for a fact. I mean, do you want to live your life just, just not noticed not ever making a mistake, not, never saying anything foolish, dumb, never saying or doing anything awkwardly. 
Or do you want to make a spiritual difference in the lives of others? You know, the passage we're going to look at and dissect here is Proverbs 29. And in Proverbs 29, verse 25, it reads, Fear of man will prove to be a snare. So we're given this proverb by Solomon, a man of great wealth, third king, wisest guy of his day. Jesus even refers to Solomon in one of his most famous, his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, having all this splendor. And so these proverbs here contain these, these one-liners, these, these tweetable comments, if you will, full of wisdom that speak of universal principles about life. And so he says that fear of man will prove to be a snare. That my fear of what someone thinks of me, your fear of what others think about you, will prove to be a snare. In New Living Translation version, fear of man is a dangerous trap. It's a trap! And you know, I looked up the word trap in Hebrew, and the Hebrew word here for trap is uh, mokesh. I'm probably butchering that word. But it's a noose. It's a noose to catch animals. Or sometimes it would be a hook to catch animals by the nose. And so uh, I have this picture here of the noose. Uh, I I didn't show the hook one because it's probably too gruesome for a Sunday afternoon. Uh, But you can imagine an animal being caught in that trap. You can imagine an animal entering the trap and now he or she is stuck. They are paralyzed. They are uh, no freedom. They can't move around. They are unsafe because they are at the mercy of whoever comes their way. So this Proverbs is saying that the fear of what, of what people think is a snare. And you know, we too can get caught. We too can lose our freedom. We can get paralyzed. We can get stuck. We can have our uh, 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 disabled because of fear of man. The fear of what my friends think, the fear of what my family thinks, the fear of what my co-workers think disables me from doing great things for God. I'm unable. I can't grow. I can't make an impact and be who God made me to be. You know, I got this picture here of a cassette tape. Who's familiar with the cassette tape? Who owns a cassette tape still? And, uh, you know, created in 1962. They really came into the scene during the 80s and in the 90s, but uh, somewhere in the mid-90s there, uh, they became obsolete. And, uh, and of course, to our younger generation who raised their hands and were like, yeah, cassette tapes, um, the, 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 the Marvel movies, Guardian of the Galaxy, has kind of made this popular again in a sense, uh, where you know, one of the, uh, the main characters has a Walkman, and he plays his cassette, and it's entitled Awesome Mixtape Volume 1. Okay? 
And so what's impressive about that, though, is that he's a, he got that as a kid, this main character, and he's an adult playing this, right? And if uh, you once had a uh, cassette tape, you know how fragile they are. They don't really last long. You ever had one of them come out, and then you grab like a pencil or something, and you try to wind it up, try to salvage it, put it back in? It's difficult. You've got to be fragile with that thing. And so here's the thing. Here's the thing about fear of human opinions. It's a bunch of tapes. A bunch of tapes that we have in loop. They are reoccurring in our heads. They are on heavy rotation in our minds when the urge to do something for God comes up. And these tapes, they're on repeat and they loop and they loop and they loop and they disable us. And how paralyzing, how paralyzing are these tapes? We've ever heard or listened to these? You know, I could really open up with someone today, but someone might think less of me. Or, you know, they'll have information over me. And so, you know what? I'm not going to get open, even though my heart is dying to be. You know, I want to talk to God about others, uh, to others. I want to introduce God to other people. But, you know, I'm afraid of jeopardizing my friendship. I'm afraid of of the consequence that could come or how they might view me. And so I don't. I don't want to be known as the Bible guy. I don't want to be known as the church girl. And so we don't. You know, no one in all of Collin County is open to God. Because we absolutely have reached out to every single person. And so we know for a fact, no one is open in Collin County. You know, what works for others doesn't really work for me. If I give my heart to people, they'll probably let me down. I'll probably get hurt. What if they walk away after giving so much love and attention? That's what probably will happen. So I'd rather not try. I mean, I don't know what's your cassette. What's your cassette that's playing? Because God wants to break the chain of fear of man in our lives. You know, we can come, we can sing, we can pray, and, and, and we got to keep, you know, love each other, and we got to keep doing those things all together. But we need to deal in a very serious way the cassettes in our lives that hold us back, that disable us from doing heroic things for God. Do you want to look back at your life and wonder and say, man, I, I wonder where you could have been. Or man, I wonder where others could have been had I not given in. Had I not succumbed to the fear of a man. You know, for 2,000 years, we, we've, we've had these countercultural, awkward disciples with a simple message that Christ died for me, and therefore I now go and go and make disciples, and His grace is not without effect in my life. But how do they do it? How do they keep from giving into the fear of human opinions? Well, let's read on in that proverb. Fear of man will prove to be snare. Trust in 
God which protects you. Trust in God. Don't trust in your knowledge. Don't trust in your title. Don't trust in your upbringing, the things that we so hold dearly to, that these things are going to help us to really be heroic. He wants us to trust in Him. God can use anyone at any time, anywhere. But do we trust Him? Or are we doing it in our own strength? It's a choice. But what's the result? What's the result when we trust in God? I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand if your life has been changed here because of the prompting of an awkward kind of person with, a, with an awkward invitation, with an awkward conversation or interaction that he or she had with you. Raise your hand if that's what happened to you and has converted you. You know, we look around and we see so many. You know, I think back to when I was converted. How much more for a young person, a teenager, where popularity is everything. For that teen, for those teens, to invite me to church. To, to talk about things that were godly when all we want to talk about is the complete opposite of that. Friday night, you're doing what? We want to go do this. And yet, these guys did not give up. I'm so grateful they persevered. I made fun of them. I told the whole school not to go to their church. I told them how awkward, I told people about them how awkward they were. How they were in a cult. How they did weird things. And I don't even know what I said, but I made up some really weird, bad things. And yet these guys still loved. You know, it takes a bit of this awkwardness in us to persevere, to care more about others. But, but Will, there's hundreds of people that did not respond. There's hundreds of people that when we, when we, we gave of ourselves, we were awkwardly heroic, it didn't amount to this big victory. But is the hundreds of no's worth it to you? Worth the one who says, this changed my life. Thank you. I'll never forget this. Is it worth it? Is it worth the inconvenience? Is it worth interrupting someone's life, interrupting your life? That's why it's not okay that only a few of us do this. It's not okay that some of us do this. Those of us who think we're good at this or that we got it all together, guess what? No one does. And yet we have a God who can use anyone who's willing. Is offering someone the hope of a changed life worth some awkward moments in yours? Just, just awkward. You know, think about this. We gotta, if we're going to do this, you got to care more about what people need from you and less about what they think of you. Care more about what people need from you and less about what they think of you. Can you think of those tapes right now that you're just like, man, i got to get in touch with. These tapes 
These tapes keep playing. They ensnare us. I want you to write this down. I want you to write it down. What tapes are you playing that ensnare you from being awkwardly heroic? Because with God, they need to be put back in their proper place. They need to be put to rest. They need to be retired. They need to be made obsolete. You guys with me on that? We're going to look over John 1 as we're bringing in for landing. Prior to this text here, Jesus is he's confessed as the Lamb of God, the one who baptizes with the Spirit, the Son of God, Rabbi. And Jesus' first words on the scene here is asking people, what are you looking for? And I believe He's asking us that question too. What are you looking for? If you haven't met Jesus yet, if you have not come into a relationship with Him, what are you looking for? If you have, and you're trying to help people, you're trying to help others, what are you looking for? The next sure way to help people become Christians, the new five-step program, the new big reach-out events. What are you looking for to help people become disciples? And so, um, at this time, we come to this place where Jesus finds Philip. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, He said to him, follow me. And Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one who Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. You know, it's, it's Philip's natural response to go and find. Jesus finds Philip and Philip goes and finds Nathanael. You know, found people, find people. May our church be consumed with that. That we would be identified as that. That we would act as we care, as we're a people have been found and we care about finding people. And so Philip, he's really excited about finding the one that Moses talked about. And here is Nathaniel's response in verse 46. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? You know what that sounds like? You know what that sounds like? Church? I don't want to go to church. Oh, I've been found. You know, Jesus, man, He totally changed my life. Jesus, I go, no, 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 thank you. I'll stay for the tacos, I'll stay for the basketball. The Bible? Ooh, no, no, no. That's what that sounds like to me. But why the edge? Why Nathaniel having this edge? You know, Nathaniel was a scholar. He knew the Bible. He knew the Old Testament. He knew that there, uh, Galilee, Nazareth was not mentioned. No prophets come from there. Discrimination happening between the northern and southern regions. Uh, Nazareth and uh, Galilee there and Judea. And so they're looked down upon. Nazareth is. And uh, at first sight, though, he judges it. You know, he didn't know. Nathaniel didn't know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He just heard that he was from Nazareth, and he judged it. He said, there's no way a Savior could come from there. But at first sight, he rejects it. Just like so many people do. Just like so many of us did, right? Someone said, hey, do you want to come to church? You're like, church? No, no. Whoa, no, no, no way. 
you want to read the Bible? The Bible? No, nah, it's, it's written by man. Nah. And we judge it right away. And that's, that's what he's doing. You know, there's this reactionary response. There's this, there's this pushback. But notice what Philip did with Nathaniel's pushback at him and how he insulted Nazareth. He didn't go into this long discourse about all positive things about his city. He didn't try to defend his city and be like, hey guys, well, yeah, you know, the per capita income is really strong here. I mean, we got a growing population. The demographics of Nazareth is on the in, uh, uprise. You know, I mean, no, he didn't do that. He didn't go into this long theological discourse of how somehow the Messiah could come from Nazareth. You know, not this like long discourse. It wasn't a logical thing. No. Notice this deep and uber insightful and theological argument that comes from Philip. He said, come and see. Come and see? You know, I I don't know much. I, I don't know what to say. You know enough to say, come and see. Come and see. You know, I'm proud of my wife, challenged by my wife. This past week, my wife had a few of her friend, her mom friends over to the house. And uh, it began, though, by her sending a text out and risking an awkward interaction. You know, as she was about to send out this text, guess what starts to happen? The cassette tapes start playing. They start playing. You know, we haven't talked in a little bit, so it could be awkward. I mean, the last time we've talked, I texted a few times with no reply. What if they're too busy? It's 4th of July week. They're probably out of town. I'm younger than one of them who has a teenage son. I'm older than the one who has an infant son. Why would they want to hang out with me? And the tapes keep playing. But Addie sent the text. And both replied yes to the invite. To the invite to come and see. And we continue reading here, verse 47. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. God didn't want to slander him. He saw something good in him. He wanted not to condemn the messed up part of him the embarrassing, awkward part of him, but to redeem it. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. You know, too many people just can't believe that God would know them. That God would know them so intricately, specifically, and yet you got to love God's response here. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Before, I already saw you. That means Philip, Philip was the vessel. He's the tool. He's the instrument. God's already working behind the scenes in people's lives. You don't have to worry about that. God is setting the, the times and places for man, for us to be Philip's. I already saw you and knew you before Philip even talked to you. You know, I wonder how many people God would love to say that to. How many people God would love 
them to know that that's what He's saying to them. But does He have enough Phillips? Are you willing to be a Philip? To endure the pushback? What good can come from Nazareth Church? Christianity, I've done that! Come and see. Come and see. Will you be someone's Philip? That although we don't naturally, uh, you know, we, we don't want to look foolish, we don't want to look silly, we don't want to do anything embarrassing, anything that will take us out of our comfort zone, but yet that we would understand that there also lies this competing feeling to be heroic, to do great things for God, to step out on faith and let God work through us to help people. Do you really just want to not be noticed for the rest of your life? Never say or do anything foolish. Or do you want to make a spiritual, eternal difference in the lives of others? Awkwardly heroic, guys. I pray that we would not be those who secretly, inwardly, when we are even together, strongly acknowledge that we love Jesus. But then we refuse when we are not here. We refuse to openly and proudly and with conviction say, I am a disciple of Jesus. I am a follower of His. I pray that we would be the people who acknowledge as boldly when we're not here what we acknowledge when we are here. So let's be, let's be awkwardly heroic. Amen, guys. We're going to go ahead and close out a short word of prayer. Father, thank You so much that we could be here with You and with each other to commune, to understand what Jesus has done on the cross for us, and to understand how He took our place there so we could take His place here on earth to continue the mission ahead of us. It has not ceased. It has not stopped. The world continues to grow. Inhabitants continue to inhabit the earth. And Father, You call us who have been called out from darkness into Your light to get down and dirty, to get awkwardly uh, into situations uh, where we just step out in faith doing things we normally wouldn't do. Love people who are nothing like us. Share about the Bible in a way that is nothing like how we uh, would understand. Like, like we, don't, we don't have to be Bible scholars to just totally impress people, to help people know Jesus. That we would just, on faith, share what we already know. Right. What you have already done in our lives. And what you will complete as we continue to walk faithfully with you. We pray for all hearts who are waiting, waiting to hear that you know them, that you're there for them before we even arrive on this scene. I pray you would make that obvious. And we hear great victories and stories to come from our repentance so that we can be awkwardly heroic in the way that you calls to be. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.